God has a way of getting his message to us and always be opening to hearing the voice of God. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Usually everybody has some kind of genealogy. Melchizedek just shows up and Abraham is compelled to recognize what he did. Notice it says, but made like. The word in the Greek here for made like means an exact copy, a carbon copy. Exactly. I think that's amazing. But an exact copy of the Son of God remains a priest continually. Why do you need a priest? Well, a priest does a couple of things. The first thing a priest does is represent God to the people. And by the way, the Bible says we are now a kingdom of priests. We represent God to the people. But the second thing that happens, we, re- God, we represent God to the people and then the people to God. We're a mediator. We intercede. We become involved in people's lives, not in meddling, but in help. To say, as a matter of fact, there's a God who's strong, who can save you, who can deliver you. Now, it's interesting what the king of Salem brought to Abraham. He brought him oil and wine, or excuse me, a bread and wine. And what do we find in communion? We find the bread, that Jesus was the bread of life. And we find the wine, which as Jesus held it up in the Passover meal said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Notice it says he remains a priest continually. Why is that important? Because you don't need to go to any church religious organization and see their priest when you've got a heavenly priest that's your priest continually. When the Bible says We have one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. Why do we need then to go confess our sins to a man that we may call a father or a priest when we have a priest, as it says here, that remains continually for us? So in other words, God goes everywhere you go. And we talked about this last week with the tabernacle of meeting where God had this tent with badger skins on it and goat skins and 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 uh, uh, ram skins dyed red, and then underneath was this white linen. God doesn't see the badger skins. He sees you from the inside. He sees it white. You have a priest that remains continually. And friends, that's so important because if you don't realize the way God sees you, if you begin to see yourself the way the devil wants to represent you, to himself, oh, you are a failure. Look at all the things you've done wrong. You're never going to be anything. That's exactly the way the devil 
wants you to think of yourself. But God doesn't see you that way. God sees you as someone that he died for, that he redeemed. The work that he's begun in you, he will fulfill it. You're not a cosmic accident. And because of that reason, the lives that you will influence in your life, you will get a reward for forever. Satan says, give me the people. You keep the stuff. Abram says, nope, I don't want a thing from you. Because the world will say, you made me rich. You see, the king of Salem recognized the people that he had redeemed, that Abraham had brought back, a Christ type, if you will. He had brought back. And you got to remember, there's always the enemy there that's trying to pull it off to the side. Let's go back to John chapter 8. We'll finish this. Who is Jesus now? Well, Abraham met him. Very clearly it says that, without father, without mother, a carbon copy of the Son of God. Well, pretty amazing. You're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Now Jesus says another thing. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That, friends, is not speaking of the thought of Jesus that's present tense. And the problem with these groups of people that say, well, Jesus was in the mind of God, but he didn't exist, simply do not read their Bibles. You know, people said, well, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to. And I said, not if you read it in context. Not if you read the entirety of God's word. Not if you understand who Jesus Christ is. Notice it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. If you'll notice, those words are capitalized in your Bible, and they're capitalized for a reason. Jesus isn't saying, before Abraham was, I was. No, he's making a statement. Ego amini, before Abraham was, I am. We remember Moses, the little boy that was put in a basket, floated down the river when Pharaoh said, all the Hebrew children must be drowned. They must be put in the river. The only thing is, his mother added a little pitch line boat for him to set in. Pharaoh's daughter was out taking her bath, and so here comes this little boat floating by with a baby crying in it. She goes, oh, look at that. So they go out, they get it. She goes, you know, this, I'm going to keep this little baby. This is such a cute little baby. And maybe you can go find, she tells one of her servants, maybe you can go find a, a, a Hebrew woman that would, that would nurse this baby for me. Just so happens that his sister went and told mom. And so mom then is paid by the Egyptian government to nurse her own child. God's economics. He's raised schooled in the finest schools at the time that Egypt had to offer. Remember, he was out in his chariot one afternoon. And he was checking out everything that was going on, and he sees an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew. Now, of course, because of the background that his mother certainly would have told him, from nursing him to being his caregiver, We remember that Moses got angry and he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, and thought everything was cool. A few days later, he's out in his chariot again and he sees two Hebrews fighting. 
Now, see, I think it's interesting that, that you begin to see these tendencies in Moses of being a leader. In other words, trying to right wrongs. And, and I think there's a lot there because you'll notice in your own personal life that you'll begin to find tendencies in what God wants you to do in your life because it'll begin to perk up like it was when he saw the injustice of the Egyptian beating on a Hebrew, or now you find two Hebrews fighting with one another. He tries to break up the fight, and then they look at Moses and say, well, what are you going to do, kill one of us like you did the Egyptian the other day? Moses realized he was found out. Got to get out of Dodge because they're going to get me. So he goes back to the house, loads up his stuff, and heads on the backside of Meridian. He just heads for the hills. He's out there, and we remember the story that he sees a burning bush, and so he walks up to the burning bush. It's not something you see every day because he noticed it wasn't consumed. And so he walks up to the bush, and all of a sudden the bush speaks to him and says, take off your shoes, where you stand is holy ground. So Moses slips off his, his sandals, and he walks up closer to the bush, and God begins to speak to him out of a burning bush. Now, it's really interesting to me, And I think this is why we find this in the Bible. God can speak to us in many different ways. Sometimes God will speak to us through dreams. Sometimes God will speak to us through a burning bush. Sometimes God will speak to us through another individual. Sometimes God will speak to us in other ways that we're not aware of. And I believe this is the reason why. I don't, and God doesn't want us to put him in a box and say, well, the only way God will ever speak to me is if he calls me on the phone. Or if he talks to me through a burning bush. Or if he talks to me through a dream. God has a way of getting his message to us and always be opening to hearing the voice of God. Sometimes God will just speak to you in things that you'll see. You'll say, hey, that isn't right. I want to intervene with that. So I believe God can speak to us in many different ways. And so God begins to speak to Moses concerning the impoverished and slavery that the children of Israel were under. And he said, go set my people free. As Moses is leaving, Moses turns and says, oh, uh, by the way, who shall I say sent me? I mean, I can't just say a burning bush told me to come and set my people free. Uh, which tells me that the progression of knowing God and knowing his voice and knowing what he wants to do is a learning curve. In other words, Abraham didn't just walk away and say, okay, Lord, that was you. He said, who shall I say sent me? And God spoke out of the burning bush and he said, tell them the I am sent you. The I am. Ego and meaning, again, improper Hebrew, improper English, improper Greek, no matter how you look at it, you would say, Before Abraham was, I was. But you wouldn't say before Abraham was, I am. That's a present past tense. It doesn't make any sense unless you know what Jesus was saying. Jesus here was claiming to be the I am that spoke to Moses in the Old Testament. So not only did he speak to Abram, who they were all the time saying, our father Abraham taught. Jesus, but what do you say? But you also notice they'll also, I mark, Moses taught us as well. So in this John 8, 58 area right here, what we're talking about, Jesus not only talks about his close encounter with Abram, 
the father of the Jewish nation, but then the great spokesman, the lawgiver Moses, he then references him as well. He's saying that he was the I am. I've had many different religions that I've talked to over the years say, well, yeah, so what? Well, the next verse says it all. And again, context is everything. And so Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. The I am is the God of the Old Testament that spoke, every Hebrew knew this, that spoke to Moses to go get the people free from Pharaoh. Jesus was claiming to be God. The next verse. And they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. What? They were going to stone Jesus in the temple. Now, talk about misguided religious zeal. Here's a good illustration of it. Let's read this again. They took up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going by, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Uh, it tells me that Jesus didn't glow in the dark. tells me Jesus didn't have a halo. He was able to just kind of disappear into the crowd as he left. Here's the point. Jesus claims to be God. It is a capital offense to claim to be God. This is why they picked up stones to stone him. I've asked people who read this portion of scripture, and they go, well, Jesus just claimed to be an I am. Well, why did they pick up stones to stone him then? Because he was claiming to be God. This was the whole problem. And this goes back earlier to what we read. If I honor myself, verse 54, my honor is nothing. But it's my father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. In other words, if he really was your God, you wouldn't be acting like this. The Bible says, by their fruit, you will know them. I believe that there's a lot of different fruit in the world. I've been in the grocery stores. Cherries are on right now. I love those things. Um, in the fall, we get apples. In the spring and in the early winter or, or, or late winter, we usually get oranges imported. There's a lot of different fruit in the world. There's a lot of different fruit in a believer's life. But the principal fruit that we look for in a Christian's life is love. Because love is what covers a multitude of sins. You see, we all can set back and say, well, there's the different gifts of the Spirit. Some have the word of knowledge. Some have the gift of, of, of healing. I have the gift of accusation, and that's what I do. I just go around and accuse everybody. Well, what you've just said is there's no love in you. Because true love causes us to reflect upon what God has forgiven us for. And when I realize how much God has forgiven me for, I want to be very careful in condemning somebody else. The Bible says, condemn not and you will not be condemned. Or judge not and you will not be judged. The word for judge there is the word for condemn. I don't want to condemn people. If I really love somebody, I'm not going to say, well then, just love. Do whatever you want to do. You don't want to break all the windows out of the house if you want to, you know, say uh, whatever you want about the Bible. No, that's not love. love. Love requires guidance. Love requires intervention. Love requires me to be involved. But I don't want to simply just say, do whatever you want to do. 
And at the same time, I've got to realize that I need to put myself in this person's shoes. If you were involved, like this person was involved, whatever it might be, how would you want someone to talk to you? How would you want to be addressed? That's what real love is. Love is wearing somebody else's shoes and looking at you. And so how do we want to do that? Well, again, by their fruit, you will know them. I think not only in the things they do, in what glorifies God, but in love. And so I would just encourage you today in your relationship with Jesus. Who is Jesus? Close encounters of Jesus Christ. Who is he? Well, he's the one that's always been. He's the one that knows everything about you. He's the one that will encourage you and bless you, cause you to do things that are unbelievable, such as beating a coalition of kings, redeeming all the people, redeeming all the stuff, bringing it all back. And once you have these great victories in your life, always remember the devil's not far away to say, you give me the people, you can keep the stuff. Well, you know, nothing in the stuff world is going into the next life. Only people. That's why God wants us to focus on what's important. And if we have allowed ourselves, through the abandonment of God's word, to begin to believe what's important are things rather than him and people, we will find ourselves bankrupt on the day of judgment. This is one of the reasons why the Bible is so important. This is one of the reasons why we as Christians need to be committed to the Bible. And here's why. Because it's how God's going to judge the world someday. How God's going to reward or condemn individuals because of what his word says. And so when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. He sees God. He's not just an essence. He's not just one of many of God's sons. He's God's only son. And that's why it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. You'll notice the word S in son there in John 3.16 is capitalized. Unlike the book of Job, where it says the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord and Satan was there. Oh, see, God had a lot of sons. No, if you'll notice, it's not capitalized. It's speaking of angelic creatures. But Jesus is not an angelic creature. He's God. In fact, we, as we study the book of John in the past, if you remember, if we go back to John, 1 John, that all things were made by him and without him, speaking of Jesus Christ, not anything that is made was made. Well, since he put it all together, he knows how to keep it together. This morning, I just encourage you that, uh, in your relationship with Christ, if you've not allowed Jesus to be the I am in your life, if you've not allowed Jesus to be the whole reason of what you are, to give you that power to do impossible things. Again, Abraham going and taking on this coalition, this, this army, and yet one Melchizedek comes along and says, God's the one that gave you the victory. You know, that's what God's always going to do. He's always going to remind you where your strength is. Where does your hope lie today? If it lies in the stock market, I've got some pretty harsh news for you. What goes up must come down. If you say, well, I have my, my 401k that oftentimes turns into a 201k or a 101. 
Well, I trust in my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Well, if that's where your hope lies, if they leave you, or, God forbid, they may die, then where does your hope lie? You see, again, we have to always look to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the author and the finisher of our faith. All faith has a basis. I've talked to many different religions. I've talked to many different people in these religions. And, and they all have a basis for their faith. But if it's not Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, it will be sifting sand. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, if you've never, you've never committed your life to Christ, if you've always known about God, but he seems to be some kind of a noble force, I, I want you to know he wants us to relate with him as a daddy, as a father. Paul, I use this illustration a lot, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The word in the original language means, doesn't mean adopted child. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, means I'm calling out to my natural dad. That's how close he wants to be with us. And that's great. You see, religion can take place of that, where we just come to God, Daddy, I love you, and this is what's on my heart. And we can then formalize it, do all the rules and regulations and the garb and the hats and all those things and take away just that simple, loving relationship God wants to have in it with us. So who's Jesus? Always been. Always will be. He, you can trust him with the future because he's taking care of your past. If you're not a Christian here this morning listening, I just want to encourage you that today's your day. The Bible says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is what holds you back from being all that you can be. Because it's your past. It's your past. That's why people go to psychologists and psychiatrists to get rid of their past. They try to talk them through. Well, now, you know, the reason why this happened when you were a child is because somebody looked at you cross-eyed and it's really called massive psychological damage. And and so therefore, you know, you've got to get free from that and you've got to revisualize yourself. They have all this stuff to get free from your past. Jesus said, it's forgiven. Isn't that great to know? Once your past is forgiven, you're then free to be in him. I don't care about what's in the past because I have a daddy in heaven that can take care of it. The one who's always been. And again, one who knows the future. If you're not a Christian here today, you want to repent. You said, I've had enough. I don't want another 10 years like I just had. I don't want another five years like I just had. I don't want another 20 years like I just had. You pray this. God will change your life. We're going to pray right now. If you want to pray, ask Christ into your life. He'll change you. And what's really good about what God does, he changes you from the inside out. He sees inside when you look out the way God sees you white. He doesn't see the badger skins on the outside. He sees you from the inside. I want to be real careful when I see one another in Jesus. I want to see each one of you, people around me, the way God sees us white. I don't want to look at the badger skins on the outside. You know, a lot of times we judge uh, after the sight. God says, when you judge, judge a righteous judgment. What's that? From the heart. What's inside the heart? What's God see? The white. We're under his blood. He's what made us righteous. Nothing I'll ever do will ever make me righteous. I go to him because he's good. But that's the way all of us go to him is because of his goodness. If you need to pray this morning, let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I ask you now to forgive me of my past 
All the things I've done wrong, I ask you now to take it away. And from this day forward, I want to live for you. So make me now the best I can be for you. Come and live inside my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me that boldness that comes from you. And that love that only comes from you. And thank you that I get to spend eternity with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.